0: Right. So, in talking about Jesus as our Lord and King, and I'll use those terms kind of interchangeably because they, to me they kind of uh, roll into one. He talks about Jesus demonstrating Himself as our Lord and King. And um, I want to throw that out to you guys. What are some ways that Jesus demonstrates himself as king, whether it's in the Bible, some examples, or in life today. How does Jesus demonstrate himself as king to us? I think a theme of his ministry in a lot of different ways is he's showing he has authority. Mm -hmm. Authority over nature, stop storms. Authority over disease, heal people authority even over um, religious law. So I could confront a religious leader and say, no, that's not that's not how you read it. If you think it's someone to talk about that who didn't have authority would be very offensive. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's kind of the point, saying, "No, I, I can correct you, Pharisees, because I have authority um, over what God says. Absolutely. That's why he ruffled feathers so often to the religious re- leaders, is he came in and was blowing their minds by his forgiving sins and, and uh, speaking of himself as a king, when they felt like he did not have that authority, that's great. Anybody else?
1: He mentioned uh, kingdom, and he, he talks a lot about that with his disciples. About how the kingdom is here now, and um, they don't really kind of get what he's after because they think he's kind of earthly king. Right. But at, yeah, he, I like that he talked about how a king has a kingdom and the Lord has a thing that they're lord over. And so uh, the fact that that's, that kingdom has existed always, he's always been king of that, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I think we oftentimes think of heaven as kind of the kingdom that we're headed towards, but that kingdom is now and heaven is, is here on earth now. Um, I think also you see it in the way that he interacts with, with leaders. There's like the you know thing about Caesar and rendering under Caesar, which I think is to say that, you know, that coin doesn't mean a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And that, that Jesus is the king of the thing that matters. And also the way that he interacts with the, the leaders there when he's on trial. And a couple of them he won't speak to or even sort of pay any attention to. Um, I think it's almost to say that it's it, kind of from an authority standpoint, they're sort of beneath them in a way. Um, but. At the same time, he's also very humble, and so I, I think it's not a king in the sense that we think of... We write the things that are about a good king. When you think about historically, what, we, what how would we describe most kings? it wouldn't be these things. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is uh, certainly a, a king that's different than most kings.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so one of the things that Dr. Evans talks about in his video... Um, thank you guys for your comments, but uh, he talks about how Jesus does... He controls nature and he demonstrates that. Multiple examples we could look at throughout the Bible of him feeding the 5,000, like in Matthew chapter 14, he takes just a few pieces of bread and fish and he feeds you know, 5,000 people, half of AutoZone Park with just like a kid's lunch. And in Matthew 14, he also walks on water. He talks to a fig tree and makes it wither in Matthew chapter 21. He turns water to wine. There's several examples where he demonstrates his authority by ruling over nature and manipulating a, a nature in a miraculous way. Another thing he he does is he miraculously heals the sick. So, in Matthew chapter eight, it talks about numerous times where there would be a, a crowd of people coming around him, and it says he would heal all who were sick in that in that um, in that group, and. Uh, which is an amazing thing. I mean, you think about, I think about what if I walked into an emergency room, walked into the ER and just snapped my fingers or said a word and every person in there, just like hundreds of people, were automatically healed of the diseases and afflictions that had been plaguing them their entire lives. Uh, it's a miraculous thing. And only someone who has authority over disease and health and sickness is someone that can do that. Uh, in Matthew chapter 14, I love this image. Uh, it talks about how Jesus was walking through a crowd and and uh, the crowd around him, they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak and as many as touched it were cured. So just touching the, the fabric of his his clothes uh, healed them because he had the authority over um, over illness. And another thing he demonstrates his authority is through controlling demons. So this is an interesting thing because Obviously, demons are not good, right? They're, they are, um, they're workers of Satan, and we see numerous examples throughout the Bible of Jesus casting out these demons. And what's interesting is the demons often recognize Jesus's authority, even though they're completely against him. In Matthew chapter eight, he is addressing these uh, demons that were in these two men he casts them into the the pigs and remember the pigs ran and jumped into the water uh, but it says uh, Jesus said to them go and they came out and went to the pigs and they the whole herd of pigs rushed in down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water and what's interesting is right before this the demons address Jesus and say you know when he when he addressed them they say are you going to are you going to hurt us, what are you gonna do with us? You know They were recognizing that he could do anything he wanted to to these demons. And so uh, they were afraid of him, they recognized his sovereignty. And so we see that Jesus controls, and he is uh, in power that's even recognized by those that are not with him. He also uh, possesses the authority to forgive. And we see this multiple times in the Bible where Jesus will come across someone that is sick or has you know, some kind of ailment, and often before he heals them, what does he do? He'll say, your sins are forgiven. And he forgives their sins and then goes on to heal them. Just like in Mark 2, we see the example of uh, Jesus speaking in a, in a house and uh, the paralyzed man comes with his friends carrying him. They let him down through the roof And he um, first forgives the man of his sins before he goes on. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were angry at him right after he forgave this man of his sins because they did not feel he had the authority to do so. Um, But then he goes on and says, you know, your sins are forgiven, and he heals the man of his paralysis. And there are several other other examples throughout the Bible that we could look at of Jesus demonstrating his authority by forgiving sins. think about the thief on the cross. You think about Zacchaeus, um, where he forgives Zacchaeus for cheating people out of their money in Luke chapter 19. And so these are just a few ways that we can see that Jesus demonstrates himself as king by ruling over nature, ruling over disease. By forgiving sins, he possesses the authority to um, to control these things. So um, one example that we just talked about was in the man uh, that was paralyzed that they let down through the roof. They say in verse 7, uh, that the religious leaders say to him, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And uh, You know, Jesus goes on in verse 10 to say, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus claims that he has this authority. So the next question is something that Dr. Evans talks about several times in his video that I think we can flesh out a little bit. He talks about several times, once we submit to Jesus's authority, then we can enjoy the benefits of his deity. So what do you guys think he means by that? What are the benefits of submitting to Jesus's authority?
2: Hears prayers of everyone, um, having that relationship, that submission to Christ, and that access that you have through prayer mm-hmm. um, is something greater than we would have otherwise. Um, your citizenship also endows you with a community that you may not have access to without that submission. You know, we're all absolutely here of people who've submitted mm-hmm. and. Um, Think that's a a benefit um, that we obtain through that submission, and you could just go on and on of just the the blessings that we receive. Mm -hmm. um, You know, the Holy Spirit, and and these are um, benefits of submitting and becoming citizens of of that particular.
0: Absolutely, I mean, there's there's a ton of benefits that we have when we submit to His authority. One thing you mentioned was having a network of. You know, believers around you of support. That was that's a that's a really big one. Absolutely. Anything else? Anybody else want to take a stab at some of the benefits of his de- deity?
1: Fruits of the spirit would be one that comes to mind. Um, just practically sounds a little bit like what Clint said, but just living a life that follows the life that Jesus calls his followers to is just sort of inherently good mm-hmm. and beneficial um, and if not on the, in this life then in the next
0: absolutely yeah the fruits of the spirit are a great example of that there are several things that kind of flow out of us once we submit to his authority um, these things kind of flow out of us naturally out of um, being within his kingdom. And uh, these are just a few things that um, that I wrote down that might be the benefits of his deity that Dr. Evans was talking about. You know, once we submit to Christ, it creates in us a sense of humility or a selflessness because we're not in control anymore. We're not in charge. And so, um, you know, we can we can let go of that and uh, think of others before ourselves. It makes us more vulnerable so you know we tara and i just finished this marriage class uh here at highland uh, starting married life right and one of the things that is you know that we found is so important in marriage is to be able to be vulnerable with your spouse and to be able to say you know when you have an argument with your spouse or be able to say you know like you said something that hurt me or i this made me feel this way and you communicate in that way you're you're being vulnerable you're um, you're submitting to the marriage as something bigger than yourself. And so I think that's one of the benefits of submitting ourselves to Christ's deity is that it makes us vulnerable, and in doing so, it, um, it cleanses us or it exposes the, um, the sin in our life. And that, that is a scary thing. When you're vulnerable, you're, uh, you're uh, putting yourself out there Um, And there's, you know, the chance that you could be hurt, but when we submit to God's authority, He's not going to hurt us. This is is something that uh, we experience when we submit to His authority. It instills hope in us. It cultivates an attitude of thankfulness. It helps us recognize that we're forgiven. And it fills us with deep satisfaction, something you were talking about, Kyle. Just It overall benefits us. It's a good thing for us in general. And it renews our spirit. So um, it keeps us energized. It fills us up with the Holy Spirit like you guys were talking about. And so some of the, these are some of the things that I think Dr. Evans was talking about when he says we enjoy the benefits of his deity when we submit to his authority. So... The main question that I think is kind of the meat of this lesson is how do we do that? How do we submit to Jesus's authority? Because you know, when you, when you say that you know, on the surface, it's kind of hard to um, put it in practical terms, in my mind. I like to keep things very practical and think about things in a practical way. So what are some ways that we submit to Jesus's authority? And one thing that Dr. Evans says, is that we submit to Jesus' authority not by how we move our lips or what we say in our words, but it's how we move our feet. It's what we do. It's how you run your life. And I think about, uh, has anyone ever seen the show Downton Abbey? Hopefully some people have seen that. Tara and I watched all the shows you know, when they were on in the seasons and then we just saw the, the movie a few weeks ago. It was really great. Has, has anyone seen, who has not seen Downton Abbey? Okay, all right. You can just get up right now, walk <laughs> out the door, go home and uh, pull up Amazon and pull it up and watch it, but it's a great show. Um, I could talk for hours about why I think I like Downton Abbey, but <laughs> one of the things, one of the things, I'm still working through that, um, that I like about it is, if you haven't seen it, they it's all about, um, the the very simple ways uh, these people, it's about a, a royal family, um, they're a noble family, they're not the king and queen but uh, they live in the countryside they have all these servants that attend to them and it kind of goes through the lives of, of the upstairs people, you know, the nobles and ha- the, all the conflicts that they have and then the downstairs people, the servants that, uh, that serve them and when I think about submitting to authority, it makes me think about things how, how things were back in early um, the early 1900s in England. And in the movie, this is not a spoiler, but um, it talks about how the Crawley family, which is the noble family, they're getting ready for the king and queen to arrive at their house. And they're going to host the king and and queen of England at their house. So you see all these nobles and the upstairs people and the downstairs people organizing everything and wanting to make everything perfect. And every meal is planned right down to the very last minute detail. And you'll notice in the movie that because of the king and queen visiting, there's numerous procedures and ceremonies and parades that take place to commemorate the royalty coming to Downton. And so you can tell that there's all these rules that they have to follow because the king and queen are coming. You know, you sit here, you speak to this person, we have this parade, you know, all the townspeople come out. And it made me think about like, why would these people why would these the noble family or why would these townspeople spend so much time and effort and energy on following the proper set of rules and following these procedures and it's because they submit to the king and queen's authority so they recognize them as the the, um, the guiding family, the ultimate authority in their lives and so they accept the rules and regulations that go along with uh, You know the royal family that are associated with or mandated by the royal family. And so in the same way, I think if we are truly accepting of Jesus as our Lord and King, then we will adopt and accept the same rules and regulations that are mandated by Him. I think about some examples of this in the Bible of how we should submit to God's authority and how we rebel against God's authority. And a good example of this is, I think, David, King David both of how to do it and how not to do it. So, in Psalm 25, verse 4 through 7, David's saying, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. You are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good." So David's saying he's wanting to completely submit his life uh, to God. And he's telling him, I know at one point in time I was rebellious and I rebelled against your authority, but now I want to give myself over to to you completely. And so that's the example of how to do it. We want to submit ourselves to God. The way that you don't do it is exemplified by David as well in how uh, his relationship with Bathsheba. Right? In 1 Samuel chapter 11, chapter 11, we read about how David sees Bathsheba and wants her as his wife, but she's married to Uriah already, right? And so he sends Uriah to the front lines and he gets killed, and then David marries Bathsheba. So, you know, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I've, I don't do things like that. You know, I don't... I'm not sending someone to the front lines and, or murdering anyone. But... Um, I think we're kind of the same way in our own lives when it comes to wanting to control things. So in in the video, Dr. Evans talks about how we treat Jesus' lordship like a buffet line, and we want to only pick and choose the things that we want about his authority or that the Bible teaches. And that's not the way that it should be, right? We, um, we should submit complete control over to him. And You know, personally, I don't know about you, but I like to control things when it comes to my life. I like to be in control of my own destiny. And nothing makes you feel less in control than when you have children. And you really, really get to see uh, what it's like to have someone that you want to do something, just completely disregard anything you tell them to do. And, uh, if you know, those of you who are parents can understand that it, it creates in you this, or it creates in me, at least, this rage and this 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 anger that I'm like, why am I getting so angry? She's just not putting her shoes on after I told her, you know. Um, but I think it's because I'm afraid of the outcome of, I'm a, I'm afraid of them not. Uh, following what I say, then it's going to lead to their physical or mental harm at some point. You know, maybe not when they don't put their shoes on when I tell them to, but maybe when I'm telling them to not run in the street, or you know, maybe when I'm, uh, you know, tell them to do something important like that. And I think some of that is a healthy way of thinking, but I think we do the same thing in our spiritual walk. We fear that if we let God uh, take control of our lives, if we submit to His authority, and expose our sin for one second, then it's gonna result in us um, being harmed in some way. It's gonna result in us, you know, our, our status being hurt or people looking at us a different way. But, um, but you know, in reality, it's, it has a cleansing effect on us. It sets us free when we submit to His authority. You know, we're not being shackled by His authority. He actually sets us free and God asks us to willfully hand over the reins uh, to our lives from him uh, to him so um, i'm gonna skip ahead because there's a few other things that uh, i wanted to touch on we're kind of running out of time but um, some other ways that we submit to his authority we practice the spiritual disciplines so if any of you have read that book the celebration of discipline by richard foster it's a really good book talks about how there's inward disciplines like meditation, prayer, fasting. There's outward disciplines like practicing a life of solitude, simplicity, submission. And then there's corporate disciplines like confession and worship. And just a word about confession that Dr. Evans mentions in the video, we've got to be willing to publicly declare that Jesus is our King. In Philippians it talks about uh, in Philippians it talks about how, um, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, even if Jesus is not the king of your life, even if he's not Lord over you, he is the Lord. You know, it doesn't matter where you, whether you believe it or not. If, if, if Christ is not the king of your life, he's still the king. That's not going to affect him at all. And so we have to be willing to confess his lordship. In Matthew chapter 10, 32 and 33, it mentions in the video, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But but whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Dr. Evans talks about we shouldn't be a secret agent Christian, right? We have to be willing to submit to God's authority and confess his authority to others publicly. Another way that we submit to God's authority is by presenting ourselves at living sacrifices. I think about Romans 12 where it talks about, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Um, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. I really love the line. That was one of the things he mentioned in the video that was really a uh, 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 really uh, an aha moment, I guess, or a very important point to come out of this video was Dr. Evans talks about how so often, rather than us submitting to God's will, we ask His blessing to our own will. And I think if you step back and you truly think about it, I think a lot of us are probably guilty of that. Like we have our own plans for our lives and we just want God to get on board. So if you could just bless, because it's kind of like a, back, you know, a, uh, a backwards way of uh, kind of spiritually asking him to bless what we're already doing. It's kind of like some veiled selfishness. And so I think we have to be willing to truly listen to God's will rather than having our own plans and then just uh, on the back end asking him to bless that will. Um, so think about that today. One quote that I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase, N.T. Wright, a uh, famous Christian author and theologian, he mentioned something about um, Jesus as Lord and Jesus as our authority. He said, Paul's gospel must, first, I believe, be reinstated at the very center of the church's preaching. The gospel is not, as I have stressed, a set of techniques for making people Christians, nor is it a set of systematic theological reflections, however important. The gospel is the announcement that Jesus is Lord. Lord of the world, Lord of the cosmos, Lord of the earth, of the ozone layer, of whales and waterfalls, of trees and tortoises. As soon as we get this right, we destroy at a stroke the disastrous dichotomy that has existed in people's minds between preaching the gospel on the one hand and what used to be loosely called social justice or social action on the other. Preaching the gospel means announcing Jesus as Lord Of the world and unless we are prepared to contradict ourselves with every breath we take we cannot make that announcement without seeking to bring that lordship to bear over every aspect of the world there was a popular slogan some years ago according to which if jesus is not lord of all he is not lord at all and that was routinely applied to personal piety and commitment but i suggest that it is just as true and just as important in terms of the cosmic lordship of jesus so nt wright is saying Sometimes we miss the mark on what the gospel actually is. the The gospel is preaching. The gospel is not just the words that we say; it is showing people how we submit to His authority through our actions. Um, So, a couple things I'll just close with. You know, I, I took this class in college called Living World Religions, and one of the most in, one of the important principles that has stuck with me from that class that uh, my professor talked about or pointed out was that you can look at different places throughout the world, and usually the tallest structure in an area will indicate what is most important in that particular society. So, if you looked at the buildings in an area, whether it's religion, whether it's commerce whether it's art, entertainment, and culture, um, that, those things will, how, whatever the tallest structure in that area is, usually shows where that society's value lies. And I say all that just to mention to you that if we truly are submitting to God's authority, to Christ's authority as our king, then it's going to be most prominent in our lives. People are gonna be able to see that in the way that we carry ourselves, in the words that we say, in the things that we do. And so we have to be careful um, to make sure that Jesus is the Lord of our lives and that people are able to see that on the inside and outside. So my, my challenge to us all is to determine who is the true king of our lives. Is it the career king? Is it the comfort king? Is it the social media king? Let Christ be the Lord of your life so that others may see the benefits of his deity in your life and be drawn to his kingdom. So just a few things to think about as you leave here today. Is Jesus the Lord of your thoughts, of your emotions, your speech, your relationships? Are you living as your own king? Are you submitting to God's will? Or are you asking him to bless your will? So I thank you for your attention today. And I'll turn it over. Great
1: job. All right, so I'm going to say...